Genesis and 4th Ezra and Deuteronomy and Zephaniah and Sirach and Job and Ezekiel and Isaiah. It's all packed in to this song of Mary's from the, from the deepest reaches of our Jewish heritage to the most emphatic teaching of our Lord and Savior. This has been a recurring and resounding theme that God cares deeply about the powerless, which means uh, that the powerful should too. And clearly it's a lesson that Mary is going to teach her firstborn son well, because it's a lesson that becomes one of the guiding principles, one of the guiding themes of his entire ministry. It's this, it's this truth for which he lived and died and rose again. Those with power have a, a responsibility to care about and care for those without power. And really, the entire Judeo-Christian moral universe really does come down to this essential principle. The Savior was born for every one of us. We know this. No matter what others may think of us, no matter how the world may keep score, no matter if we have power or we're on the margins of the many ways that the world determines who is worthy and who is not, God sees every single one of us as children of God. And because that is true, our souls should magnify the Lord and our spirits can rejoice in God. And this time of year, especially, we're called to share that word of encouragement, those tidings of comfort and joy with others. When we're generous, when we're hospitable, when we're compassionate, when we donate pajamas for kids in foster care, when we buy tamales to support the ministry of newcomers to this nation, when we're mindful of the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the stranger, when we care about something and someone other than ourselves, that's when we're honoring this magnificent vision, if you can uh, allow me to use that word, that Mary offers in one of the most beautiful songs in the Bible, a song that closes in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Uh, it will surely not surprise you that I love Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's, a, it's the work of fiction that I have read most often. I actually reread it every year. I read it back in October this year because I was really in need of some Christmas spirit. It was just as good as I remember it. I love it because it's, if you've never read it, seriously, I'd highly recommend it. I love it because it's funny. I love it because it's brilliantly written. Uh, of course, it's brilliantly written. It's Dickens, after all. But mostly, I love it for its theology. We all know the story. We've seen it interpreted in, in countless ways. Uh, as it begins, Ebenezer Scrooge is the opposite of what Christians are called to be, right? He's the embodiment um, of what God is going to overthrow, according to Mary in the Magnificat. He's not a man who had spent Advent Sundays in church. <laughs> and if he had, he certainly would not have donated pajamas for kids in foster care or brought tamales from a mission church of immigrants. Scrooge is selfish. He's unkind. He's dismissive of people who, has, who have less than he has, especially so of the poor. He is deeply uncaring when it comes to his only employee. He's a, he's a bully who throws out of his office on Christmas Eve two men who have come to solicit donations for those in need, famously recommending that the poor should either go to debtor's prison 
or to the grave. (laughs) And when his irrepressibly optimistic nephew comes to invite him to Christmas dinner, he throws him out of his office too. But not before his nephew says this. Here's how Dickens writes it. I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time, a a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. The time of year when everybody seems to care about everybody else. Now Scrooge, of course, uh, comes around, right? But that's after uh, visits from three ghosts and a near-death experience. We, on the other hand, it seems to me, need only remind ourselves of the tidings of comfort and joy that truly are the foundation of this season. Friends, Mary's song is a, it's a word of encouragement to those who need it, especially to those who feel like they're on the margins in some way, because it's a promise that God is on our side, no matter the circumstances. And it's a call for those of us who consider ourselves his disciples to share that encouragement with others. Thanks be to God that that we, as a community of faith, take advantage of this perfect time of the year to do just that. Thanks be to God.